listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Welcome oh, to no. Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and I'm practically chunky in every way. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Carter, and the man said, I'd like to replace your cat. And the lady said, that's all right with me, but how are you with chunking mice? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're all flo- we're all floating. We all float down here. I uh, I noticed we're all chunks. Uh, That's true, what it, and that means because we have. I'm going to go ahead and say it: the hunkiest of hunks we've ever had wow. on this podcast. We are wow. joined by Katie Pestless. Katie, welcome. Hi, guys. I am your hunk today, and Ooh. as I would like to say. A spoonful of hunky helps the medicine go down. Yes. Mm. I've never heard it measured in such precise terms. Thank you. It's nice to have a solid baseline to work from. (laughs) (laughs) This is normally the part of the show where we would act all coy about why someone might be the hunk. And so I'd, I'd like to set this up. You teased before we started this recording that you had a story about you impersonating Carter. And I would love... I would love if you would tell us that story to get things started. Oh, you guys, I'm so glad to be here. And yes, I do have a great story on Carter. Um, when Car- okay, so Carter and I went to college together. We were there actually at the same time. Um, and we were neighbors. We lived in a townhome section. And he was the very end. And I think we were G. I can't remember if you were H, but I think we were G or F or something. I think we were 10 G. Anyways, so we had, we were both, you know, I was studying music business. Carter, I don't remember. Did you study communications? What was your major? I was, yeah, I was broadcast communication. Okay, so we were both in, yeah. (laughs) Yes. He studied podcasts, podcasts. They called them back in our day. (laughs) Yep. Um, no, Carter and I were both in the fine arts department. So we worked together. We did shows together, that kind of thing. Like when we did music business showcases, Carter and I would sometimes like I got, to, we crossed paths all the time, not yep. just on the stoops of our houses. <laughs> but, um, anyways, so one time there was a huge Grammy, like we were part of Grammy university at our college. And so there was this huge music business showcase and Carter was supposed to be the host mm-hmm. of this showcase. And I think this would have been my senior year, Carter, this, you might've been in your master's already. Cause I know you're, yeah. I think a year older than me. Yeah. I was in my master's. So he was supposed to host and you got the flu. And <laughs> so I get a phone call. I think the show was at like 7 PM. And on the day of the show, I get a phone call from my best friend, Brittany, who was my roommate, but she was in charge of the showcase. And she calls me and she says, hey, um, Carter has the flu and is sick as a dog. He cannot host tonight. Can you do it? So I, I love to make people laugh, but I don't really do well if I haven't had time to prepare a script. I mean, and <laughs> you had zero. You, I, I remember feeling for you. I was like, this is a bind. And she is 100% <laughs> bailing me out. 
So, so yes. So what I did was I knew that I would tank because it basically, I know we all know how funny Carter is naturally. Sure. Sure. Yep. I oh, also, wait, a little louder with your responses, guys. Yeah, thanks. He's <laughs> oh, great. Yes. Who are awesome. we talking about? So he's hilarious. So I was kind of nervous to replace him on the billboard. I mean, I think it said like hosted by Carter Willis. Like there was a there were posters everywhere. People knew it. So I was really nervous. So instead of trying to like come up with a script really fast and memorize stuff, I walked over to his house. <laughs> Which wasn't far. Not far, next door, walked four feet. You just walked, opened the little door that we had door. made so that we could just mm-hmm. right between our houses. Yeah, <laughs> just on the stairs, the cupboard under the stairs, if you will. So I I go into his house. I, I do ask his roommate's permission. They said, oh, yeah. Carter's asleep. Um, but if you want to come in, I think you were asleep on the couch or something. They were like, if you want to come in, um, I, was I had so an idea. Sick. He was so sick, you guys. Like you looked green. And I, so I go in and I'm like, where's his bedroom? So they show me where his bedroom is. I go in and I get a pair of pants, yes, a shirt, yes, a belt, shoes, <laughs> a tie. And you guys, I walked onto that stage and did not say one thing all night about why I was not Carter Willis. <laughs> I was Carter Willis. I embodied Carter Willis. Yes. I, I introduced the show. I, my job was to get up between each act and do a little bit of stand up and then introduce them. Maybe say a fun fact about them. <laughs> so I had little note cards and I was taking notes during a show. And if they were bad, no offense, but if they were like not great or something like that, like I would give them a little bit or, or maybe their name was funny. I don't think I don't like making fun of people, but if I could like joke at nicely at their expense, I would like if their group name was weird or something like that. So during each show, I would write notes and then I walked up and nowhere during the entire three hours of the show did I say my name was Katie hours. (laughs) I was Carter. I introduced myself as Carter. And so at the very end of the night and y'all it honestly, I think, I think it killed because I, it, it, I probably was not near as funny as I thought I was, but at the same time, wearing dude's clothes that were, that did not fit me, that <laughs> wearing a tie. I mean, I have photos and it is hilarious. I pulled my hair into a really tight bun and kind of did a poof. <laughs> and then like literally just, I mean, I had the best time and I somehow I just wasn't mm. afraid. And then at the very end of the night, the professor of, or the Dean of the music business department was like, Hey, we want to give Carter a round of applause um, for being here with us. And he really just like leaned in and, and just went with it. And then he was like, guys, actually, if you, if you didn't know, this is Katie. Right? <laughs> and, like um, and so everyone ground. like gave me a standing ovation. It was so sweet and I had a blast, but yeah, I did my best Carter impersonation and, Amazing. and it was a highlight Amazing. of my college career. This feels like the time to reveal that Katie has been Carter on this podcast for the last the two entire years. time. <laughs> Yes. I'm the guest. To replace yes. the new Carter, person. you must become the Carter. You must I have become heard that. the Carter. I have heard that. I think that's a very hunky story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks. That is very hunky. Just great. Thanks. I love that. Hey, I'm just sad I missed it. Like, I think that's the <laughs> highest. I literally think that's the highest form of flattery. If someone can like pick up on your quirks and impersonate you. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad when people take offense to it. 
Oh, because I like doing that to people. Dude, but then Vin Diesel the must be flattered by us because yeah. nobody really ever. I don't feel like I get impersonated a lot. It's either people just act like they hate smacking or they're really <laughs> uncomfortable or something like that, and then like that's their Carter impersonation. So the fact that I missed what's very likely the best one that's ever happened is pretty sad. Carter, but I want you to just you're ex- my hero. Expand your worldview. You are not limited to your body. You were there. Carter was yeah. there. You That's were. True. Your clothes were there. Your mannerisms were there. You didn't miss it. I like, I got up off the couch. I remember after being like in this coma of the flu. And I think it must have been simultaneously when Katie is being, uh, there's an ovation at the end of the show. And I just bowed to nothing. <laughs> like I just bowed in my living room. You just room. felt it. Because I felt it. I felt great. the reverence. That's so great. So, yes, that is apparently why I am the hunk today. That would have been in 2012. I love it. Amazed. That is beautiful. Hey, you know what else is beautiful? Music. And we are beginning today our choosical (laughs) series with the movie that I I guess I got the the fifth most votes. That's right. uh, Putting it uh, firmly in the place of our first episode chronologically. And that movie that we are reviewing today is known as Mary Mary Poppins. The first time anybody ever sang and danced in a movie. It's crazy. That's wild. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's the first time people wrote songs even that didn't exist before this. Mm-mm. Now, ordinarily, this would be the time that I would ask Doge to give me a synopsis, but that's just not special enough. So what Stim I'd cut. like to do is I would like to request that Katie deliver unto us a synopsis. Oh. You guys, I'm just going to come up with this off the top of my head. It's just going to just... I got it. I I just thought about this. I'm completely shocked by this ask, you guys. I'm just going to come up with these words on my own. Ready? Well, Jane and Michael Banks, they need a new and kinder nanny. Their troubled father doesn't like their advertisement list. He rips the paper up, and if by magic she arrives, her name is Mary Poppins, and the rest is a surprise. Oh, I'm delilly, I'm delilly. Bertie sweeps the chimneys. He also tries to be cockney. It's quite atrocious. You will see adventure, both live action and cartoons. Just a boot. You're going to love this movie. It has penguins who wear suits. Oh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> Oh, it's so wonderful. Synopsis. You know, this is the new standard, Doge, even after we're out of Chusical. So what's that from? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is from Annie. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's a great show about a dog. I was wondering why you were wearing that wig. (laughs) That poofy poofy red wig. Hey, that was... Phenomenal. Yeah, that's got to be one of the hardest ones to keep up with of all the songs on. Well done. My favorite is uh, Bert the Dirty Pal. (laughs) He is, though, huh? He is a dirty pal. He's just kind of a greasy boy. He's a pretty dirty dude. That's amazing. (laughs) I think that the bar has been raised forever on Synopsi. That's just me, though. That's just me, though, that I think. Well, also now, Katie is one host away from impersonating everybody on two chunks and a hunk. Because we started, her hunk them was impersonating me. Now she is the new synopsis queen. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we just need Uh-oh. a Jordan one. I'm sure we'll have time. We've got five weeks together. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I think all you have to do is just dictate how long a section of the show lasts. We've got my job down. <laughs> Great. Oh man. But I, I do want to talk about this movie and I want to start that's with a good, confession. I have blocked out that time on my calendar for this. Me too. I think that's great. I want to start with a confession, if that's okay with everyone. All right. When this movie made our list, I was not excited. And I was, it's not that I was disappointed. There were just other things that I would have rather, or that I thought I would have rather watched. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, my fifth movie that I had voted for that didn't make it was High School Musical. Same. Because I thought that would have been a ton of fun. It would have been really fun. Yeah. Now, it took all of about two minutes into this movie for me to completely change my mind and become so stoked that we were watching and reviewing this movie. Yeah. I'll Are you tell talking you, about just took, the opening credits? Because they last seven minutes. They do last <laughs> yeah. a very long time. For me, it was about the time Bert started walking with his one-man band stuff on oh, and it was still yeah. making all that noise. Uh, it kills me. It's just yeah. so fun. For me, I didn't realize how nostalgic this movie was for right. me. We talk about movies like Jurassic Park and Toy Story, that stuff that I grew up with. But there was, I had these like, I had Mary Poppins in that big plastic casing Same. for like a Disney movie. And I yeah. used to, and my mom, I'm gonna, my mom is actually an official chunky, by the way. Um, I know she's listening, but she would be uh, really upset if I didn't tell you. Like when I was a kid, I always called it Mary Ann Poppins. Like I wanted to, let's watch Mary Ann Poppins. Um, but y'all, the Buena Vista logo, the yeah. Buena Vista yeah. at the beginning on that beautiful blue, like I was already back at being like eight years old For watching sure. this. So I had realized how much it, it had been a long time since I had watched this movie, and I realized how much I had forgotten was connected to Mary. Like so many things in my head that just existed, like on this ethereal plane that I grabbed and was like, Oh, that's part of Mary Poppins. Um, uncle Albert laughing on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, the guy that has like a boat on top of his house. Like these are things that were up here, but didn't have like a seated place. And then when I, as I watched it, I was like, Oh my goodness, these are from Mary Poppins. Cause it's been probably a decade and a half since I have watched this movie. Oh, this is the first time I've watched it as an adult. Like I, I probably haven't watched this since I was like six. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's funny with the adult watch, especially early on in the movie, it's like, oh, like the the things that Mrs. Banks stands for and stuff right. like that. And what that yeah. whole song is about is like, oh, shoot, like I totally missed this as a kid. 100%. You don't, there are, th- I mean, I haven't seen this movie since, it's probably been about 10 years since I'd seen it, but I, as a little girl, I mean, I've been a nanny when you, when you sing, so guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell our listeners something. When you want to be in the arts for a living, you have what you call your artistry, and then you have what's called a day job. (laughs) And um, a day job is what you have to pay when your electric bill comes. Right. So, so I, um, so I've been a nanny for the past seven years, um, either part or full time. And as, as I watched this, I actually watched it twice. Once I watched it by myself uh, within this last week. And then the second time I mentioned that I watched it to my youngest, my, um, my middle nanny child, her name is Camille. And she said, Katie, can I watch this with you? And as I watched this with her, she's about the age I would have watched it in my prime. She's 10. Cool. And I loved this movie, but when I was about 10, like I was mesmerized by Julie Andrews. So I think there was something nostalgic about it sitting here going, I kind of learned how to be a nanny from Mary Poppins. And I know that Hmm. sounds cliche, but at the same time, I mean, I sing to the kids all the time. 
I I play games with them. I'm not a nanny that just, you know, sits around and and does laundry. I I want to be with them and help them create incredibly fun memories. So, I mean, I've rolled down hills with them in grass because it's hilarious. I think I'm a little more whimsical maybe than she is, but I definitely <laughs> love the phrase I told their mom when she when I was interviewed with their mom and dad, uh my my late my current nanny family, they literally asked me about my about myself and I said, "I'm kind but extremely firm." And uh, that's kind of who I am. And so I think with the kids watching it with Camille, it was one of those like full circle moments where I was like, man, I really did learn how to be a nanny from this iconic nanny who was beautiful and rosy cheeked and but yet had this side to her that was mysterious and was wonderful all at the same time and kind of scary. So it was it it was very, very scary. It is such a strong female character Mm -hmm. in 1964. Um, you know, and for Disney. And so I, yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's a, a great point. Um, and uh, you know, you talked about, um, Mrs. Banks and like her involvement in the movement for women's suffrage. It wasn't even something that I, I didn't even know what suffrage was probably the last time that I watched this movie. And so it's, it's just interesting to pick up on, on things like that this time, but something, something that I want to, <laughs> you mentioned that she's a little scary. There is something a little intimidating about the sort of bottomless pit of what she can do. She is like Gandalf in that way where it's like, yes. I Agreed. want to be your friend, but like, I'm a, always a little afraid that you might get mad. Okay. Right. So this movie on this rewatch, and I think it's a mix of nostalgia and just the vibe there is something fever dreamy about this movie. Like there is something about this movie. I don't know if it's the pacing or the way we jump from thing to thing or just I the really general think it, look. I, mean, I agree. But it's like, I, th- I think it's the fact that there's like basically no plot to speak of. Like, right, you know what I mean, there's not right. things that happen. It's just, she goes and hangs out with these kids. And when she's done hanging out with them, their dad loves them again, you know? And it's like, yeah. I don't mean to minimize it like that, but it like the plot is very, it's very bare bones. bare bones. It reminds me, and this might be the first time these movies have ever been said in the same sentence. Was this <laughs> 1964's version of Avatar where people go and it's like, oh my gosh, Dude, can maybe you believe though. what those movie scientists were able to cook up? Like how, oh, in, yeah. like how in 2009, we were blown away by these blue cat people. And it was like, this is amazing. I can't believe it. I've never seen something like this before. And then now in retrospect, we're able to look at it and appreciate the artistry, but also acknowledge like, hey, there's there's not a lot like going on there aside from the presentation. Right. I mean, yeah. The presentation was, is fantastic, but maybe the subject is a little bit lacking. When I was like researching... Because this is, I think, the most decorated Disney movie ever. Yeah. So it won five Oscars, but was nominated for 13, which puts it up in the echelon of like top tier movies ever uh, in terms of the amount of nominations. I think Pong Joon-ho tied Walt Disney's record for this this past year with wow. the yeah, Parasite. That's, that's phenomenal. And so as I was looking through, I mean, you're right, Doge, like this was a big deal because they still had categories for black and white. <laughs> so there was two, there was, there was a, there's a small window in the Academy history that there is a, there is a category for black and white films and color films because they're just, you know, it like not everybody's making the leap and whether that's right. for an artistic reason or not. Um, and so you would have like 10 nominees because five would be in the black and white and five would be in color. And a lot of, a lot of that was for like film editing and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, I can't imagine what that, and when I was watching back through and I don't know if it's, if it's been, you know, I, I wonder if it's had a facelift or two since its original release in 1964, 
but it's it's good. Like they do a good job of it. I feel like the sets and stuff, like in the way that and and it felt like Dick Van Dyke was the best at interacting with the cartoons. Yes, sure. Yeah. But it's 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 done really meticulously it feels so like. that's actually so. my super pump for this movie is is the visual effects because it it notably hasn't had a facelift like they've not gone in and retouched this stuff the same way that lucas did with the star wars trilogy you know what i mean where we go right. in and add these crazy digital effects that stick out like a sore thumb this is original like the the print has been upscaled and scanned at higher and higher and higher resolutions for home video release uh interesting thing to note this has never been out of print on on home yeah, video it's, in history yeah uh, that's amazing but anyway this uh the the special effects technique that they used has not been used for a long time. It's called a sodium vapor process. And basically what they do is they're going to stand in front of this screen and they're going to do all their acting. Like when we're in, we're in cartoon chalkland, we're standing on the set in front of a big white screen. We're going to hit it with these lights that turn the screen a certain color. It's a certain shade of yellow. Uh, and then that light uh, is filtered into the camera through a prism and it sends uh, our regular red, green, and blue light to one side and it sends the sodium vapor light to the other side. And so what we've got then is now we have two sets of film that have been exposed. One of them is exposed to our regular colors, but the background does not show up and it does not affect the skin color. And so we have kind of just this empty space where the film is not being developed there. The other film that we've got only develops the background because that, mm. that side of the film does not pick up anything except for the sodium vapor lights. And so now we've got a, a mask that our animators can draw the background over. And we have this, That's crazy. this shell, uh, this cell that we can put of our live action plate over the animated background and then put animated plates over that. Like, I don't know, watching this, it reminds me of our conversation a couple of weeks ago um, when we were talking about Inception, about the difference between digital and practical effects. Uh, and like, if this was done now, we would not need to think through how do we do that process. Right. And we would not need to think through how do we do an animatronic Robin on Mary Poppins finger or right. how do we make her, her uh, umbrella her, look like her it's umbrella talking. Talk. Yeah. yeah. Because the answer to all of those is always computer. Computer will do it. Digital effects artists will do it. And that's not to minimize the hard work that these very talented individuals put into movies because they, I mean, things like the MCU would not exist without very talented visual effects artists. But there is something where where we don't, we can't paint with as broad of a solution brush with things like Mary Poppins, yeah. where we have to say like, how are we going to make Uncle Albert float? And that's a different answer than how do we make her umbrella talk and how do we make this Robin? Um, and yeah. how do we put them in cartoon land? But just the the visual effects are so, so good in this. Yeah, that's great. Man, I had no idea. That is like working around not being able to have a green screen. Like yeah, doing right. more work for right. the sake of... For the sake of the movie. A lot of films at the time were using blue screen, um, but this works, the, the sodium vapor process works even better. It's a little more precise than blue screen because you don't have the spillage around the edges of your subject. And we can get things like uh, when Dick Van Dyke is spinning his cane, we can watch it blur as it passes in front of the background. Right. We're actually exposing that. We can see Mary Poppins, her veil on her hat. It's like a transparent uh like piece of ribbon that's tied and we can see the background slightly through that. Like we have these advanced transparency and motion effects that are still now, you know, decades, decades later, hard to replicate digitally that we're absolutely yeah. nailing physically there. Yeah. Which is all great. And I want to talk about Bert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dirty Bert. Oh, dirty Bert. <laughs> dirty Bert. Birdie dirt. So here's the Can thing. Can I say, okay, go ahead. I just want to start with one question and then we'll, yep. we'll move to what we all really want to talk about. But my question yeah. is, why does he break the fourth wall? I like it, but he's not, is he talking to 
us? Is it supposed to be someone else? It feels like he's supposed to be that surrogate that like represents that this is an adapted screenplay, right? right? Like, is he yeah. is he supposed to be like the narrator? Mm-hmm. I think so. In a sense, so I think I think that's why it never really bothered me. No, it doesn't bother me either. It's and definitely I want more of it actually, right? Because right. we kind of abandoned the Bert talking to us as the audience pretty quickly at the beginning, and I I, I think I would have liked more. Yeah, does Lin Manuel's character do that in Mary Poppins Returns? He does. Okay. Yeah. So they definitely keep with that theme. Because I, I I love Dick Van Dyke. Um, like I think he's very fun. I think he's super funny. I think his yeah, energy he's is amazing great. in this. Surprise. Nobody's surprised Dick Van Dyke is great in Mary Poppins. Never. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But as fun as he is, I kind of liked the idea at the beginning of this is our buddy. This is our bridge into this world. He's the one yeah. telling us about everything. And I think I would have liked, I don't know, not over explaining mm. things. I don't want Bert to be like, and that's why we jump into the truck drawing. Like, I don't want that necessarily. <laughs> the truck drawing. Bert is as great as he is. I do think we should talk about the accent, huh? Yep. Uh, Dick Van Dyke is at his best in this movie. I, at first, at one person, at one point, I'm like, I mean, is this like a money grab because it's Dick Van Dyke? But I really don't think anybody else could have done the things that he does physically. Yeah. With that much right. animation. Did he have the Dick to, Van Dyke uh, show yet at this point? It was right. This is right in the middle of the Dick okay. Van Dyke yep. show. So he has, uh, he has one year left on the Dick Van Dyke show okay. when he's in this recording. Um, so he's at his best when he's not talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think I know I have to be confident in this, but my super dump is his accent. My super dump is specifically when he says he has to grind, grind, grind on the grindstone. Oh, it's, <laughs> and it's like, so he's just bad. like, He's doing all this different stuff. Sometimes he's completely American. I wish because Dick Van Dyke can sing. Oh, yeah, one hundred. I wish they had just let him sing in 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 just an American accent. Yeah, I, I think I would have been less bothered if he sang an American accent than if he just tried to be this Cockney the whole way through. And there's like there's he was on a wait wait don't tell me in like 2010 uh, NPR show uh-huh. and they asked him about that. They're like you know Dick we'd be remiss. If we didn't say what's going on with Bert's accent <laughs> and he, he, you can't tell with him cause he's super charming, but was just kind of like, well, my, my vocal coach also didn't, he's, he was Cockney, but he was, I've been told he had a bad Cockney accent. And so it's like, <laughs> he's saying I did it perfectly from what my perfectly coach told bad. me, who was just not a good, yeah, not a good well, uh, British accent. Here's the thing for me. Like I, I literally, I love Dick Van Dyke. His accent is so bad, mm-hmm. but my qualms aren't really with Dick Van Dyke. I'm more upset with all of the British people exactly. who were on that set, that set because it was literally probably 95% British people. And then Dick Van and Dyke. And no right. one <laughs> took the time to tell him. And that's, he's quoted saying, none of them helped me. Like they just <laughs> let me do this and I sound horrible. <laughs> And I'm so I'm more and, upset with his cast and crew because I'm like, we have a saying in Nashville, and that saying is when the show wins, we all win. Right. And if yeah. one of us loses, we all lose. So if you if you're on a set with someone and you hear them blatantly being just the worst at a specific <laughs> 
accent, <laughs> then like help him along, like f- grind it. It's so bad. But I love it, Dick Van Dyke because you're right, Carter. He's so charming that it's, mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of, it's almost like it's endearing a little bit. It's so I bad agree. Right. that it's endearing. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Exactly. And that's just the classic quality of Mary Poppins. It's like you love it for its flaws too. But, totally. Um, it, it can't help that Dick Van Dyke is not only not good at a British accent, but he is sharing the screen with the best British accent in the world. Yeah. Yes. I it's don't Julie know, Andrews. I don't know that I'm ready to talk about Julie just yet. Um, I, That's fine. Just to, between all of us, just a secret. Don't let our listeners hear. I am, I'm holding Julie uh, until the after shout announcements because I feel like I could spend the entire back half of this podcast talking about she's Julie a, Andrews. She's a second half treat. I think so. Yes. Um, but you're right. What we have to compare him to frequently is Julie Andrews, and that is tough for him, um, especially when he sings. So the part that his accent is the most egregious to me is the, oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. what is yeah, 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 coming yeah. at me from five different directions right now? And it's not yeah. working for me. He he turns Southern at one point. <laughs> I meant to write down what it was, but it was like, yeah. And the first time he says Mary Poppins, he says it like it's it's a it's a T. He's like, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and like sometimes he says with with a th, and sometimes he says with. Yeah, yeah, it just is not consistent. Yeah. I will yeah. say, uh, Mr. Dawes Senior is maybe maybe I like Dick Van Dyke's performance as him more than Bert. I think. oh, he's great. It's uh, he amazing. is amazing. You guys, uh, I'm I'm sure I know that my two regular boys did. Katie, I don't know if you read the IMDb trivia about this movie, but. That's something that we always do. And then we talk about it on the show and present it as if it's this knowledge that just we have. Um, <laughs> we'll, cut, we'll cut this part out, though, because that's like the Wizard of Oz ending right yeah. now. Pay no we attention. can't do something like that. So Pay here's no the thing. I intentionally did not read IMDb and I read obscure websites and cool. watched nice. a documentary. So I wow. wanted to bring something in. Wow. that maybe I figured you guys would. I watched a musical documentary about it. So, so I wanted to kind of bring something from a different perspective and be surprised if you told me something from IMDb. Cause I, 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 I I feel like the wizard right now and I'm so excited (laughs) to see what's behind the curtain. Uh, so, so back to Mr. Dawes senior, that, that like stepping down off of the step thing that he does where his cane slides out and he like tries forever to get down that step. That's something that Dick Van Dyke used to do on the set to just make people laugh in between takes. Uh, and he wanted the role of Mr. Dawes Sr., but originally was was not going to be allowed to do that. And until they saw him doing this routine and doing his like old age joking stuff, <laughs> and they were like, oh, actually, it has to be him. Yeah, I love that. I, I like I also love that the kids I always love <laughs> when directors hold back and say, and, and like not tell you certain things. It's it's on a completely different scale, but I think we talked about on a mini Monday or we just talked about outside of this. <laughs> Most of my, if not all my conversations with Doge and Jordan are, are, are through the medium of two chunks. Uh, so I can never remember if we talked about it on air or not, but uh, like in it, when the, the new it uh, with Skarsgård where they're, they're not telling the kids, they, none of them knew what the clown looked like. Right. Yes. showed up. Right. So, because we want to actually fear these kids and make them go to counseling. It's like the chest. For the rest of their the lives. The chestburster in Alien where they didn't tell them that that's what was right. going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they don't tell the kids a lot of stuff about Mary Poppins. So Michael and, it's Michael and Jane. Mm-hmm. Michael and Jane. Yeah. So they don't tell Michael and Jane, A, that 
Mr. Dawes is actually Dick Van Dyke. So the whole time he does such a good job for these little kids that they, they, they would be quoted saying that they were incredibly afraid this old man was just going to f- keel o- over at any moment. So their <laughs> concern of seeing him fall, especially with the scene that he gets caught by those that work for him and his son. Uh, but then also like the Mary Poppins scenes of her pulling stuff out of the, uh, purse. the purse. Like yeah. that was uh, an effect that they were able to do without the kids seeing how they did that. And so the actual surprise you see for them, my favorite is when Jane just like like screams when her her medicine changes color. Yeah. Because that was another practical yeah. effect that they didn't tell the kids was going to happen. And so I thought that really added to just the like charm and like fictional authenticity. Yeah, of the, totally. I mean, just their reactions. I, to I feel like stuff. for these kids, it probably felt a lot like they were really being nannied by Mary Poppins. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much yeah, bright magic. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I think that's great. And I, I honestly think the kids... You know, the, I, I talked, I talked to Callie, there are moments and particularly faces in this movie that are just burned into my brain. Like they just have been branded there and it's the two kids. It is, um, the, uh, not the cook, but the other maid, mm-hmm. um, the faces she makes just crack me up. Like yes. when she goes and tells the dog, like the position's been filled. Like, it's just so <laughs> good. I think her name is Ellen. Ellen. That's right. And, uh, it's them, and then the the woman with the tambourine, the cartoon woman with the tambourine, yeah, oh. uh, at the horse race. She's just in yep. my brain, and it's <laughs> so funny. But when they pop up, it's like that. That's what I mean by fever dream. It's like this, yeah. this haunted familiarity that feels so strange. This carousel like, of even... half remembered images. <laughs> right. Yes, I was surprised that I didn't see. So the nanny that Mary Poppins replaces that we see at the beginning. Katie Nana. That is just befuddled and yes, and is just ready to get out. I was surprised she didn't come back because her face was so very much ingrained in me. And I was like, well, she's in something else. So decades before that actress was the bride of Frankenstein. So the very first what? time we saw wow. that with the big I thought hair she was Miss Trunchbull come back to life, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that lady, very much you so. just want to see her in a scary like you know, bun, <laughs> messy bun with totally. her, her wispies going kind everywhere. kind of was, kind of like a two-story messy bun <laughs> in Bride of Frankenstein. So that makes sense. Yeah, there's, there is something, um, I guess it, it probably, it's unfair, right? Because maybe some people didn't grow up watching this and so they don't have that same nostalgia, but there is something with the nostalgia of this movie to me stronger than the flavor of maybe other nostalgias that I have experienced throughout this podcast. Like there is just something like uh, just as I couldn't have told you what was going to happen next, Mm-mm. but as it happened, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah. It, I remember this. It yep. feels to me like it, it nestles pretty comfortably alongside like the, uh, the CBS Rankin Bass stop motion Christmas movies. Right. Where it's like, I don't, I could not give you a synopsis of Santa Claus is coming to town. I could not do that. If you asked me what that movie's about, I'd say, I don't know. I guess Mickey Rooney is Santa. But watching it, I'm not surprised by anything. And I find myself being way more willing to forgive stuff that would be a hang up were it released today. Right. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Because you're right. There are so many things not explained. Like all of a sudden she, I mean, yes, you understand she's magical, but there are some things that she does that. You know, even the kind of the mind games with the dad, you're like, she actually probably might be a wizard, but I'm right. just going to forget <laughs> right. and just yeah. believe that she's somehow human and just then pulls out magic 
can access magic when she wants. We can talk about that yeah. later when we talk about Julie Andrews. But but that's the part. Right. You're exactly right, Doge. Like it feels like I, I there are so many moments when it was like a little slip up or a little like you know even now the movie hasn't it's aged so well in so many things and then the Robin comes out and you're like. That actually looks terrifying, but somehow (laughs) it's almost this time capsule. Exactly right. Where it's you're like it's perfect. It it's there. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't want it to look like a real bird. Right. Totally. That's a great point. It's something. It's Julie Andrews whistling. By the way, that's what I. That's what I heard. That's so cool. Did you know they hired a professional whistler to come in and do it? And Walt heard it and was like, "That's terrible." (laughs) She's better. She's always better. And she said, "I can do it." And he had never heard her. And she stepped up and did that. Unbelievable. Look, I'm, I'm a principled man who keeps his promises. And we are dangerously close to talking about Julie Andrews. So here's what that means. <laughs> it's time for us to head on over to Shout Announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements. It's the part of the show where we give shout outs Jeez. and make announcements. It sounds you know, like I stepped on your paw. Yeah. It's <laughs> not, sh- <laughs> not Shout Announcements unless it hurts a little bit. Um, that's that's right. what I we always got, say. We've got some stuff to talk about. And uh, first things first, Doge is the realist. Tell me about it. <laughs> it's like you screwed the diving board on as tight as possible and it has no spring. And now I'm just going to fall into the pool and look like <laughs> an idiot in front of my crush. Break your knees. <laughs> well, if this content has been fun for you to listen to or entertaining... Or if you feel sorry for us, we would love it if you'd become a patron of this fine podcast. Uh, And as you might know, if you remember your history, the Sistine Chapel would never have been painted so good without Michelangelo's patrons allowing him the freedom to create magnificent art. At the same price, I think. At the same price. He charged them three florins a month. And so we're charging you $3 (laughs) a month. Uh, But but that three bucks a month would get you some bonus episodes. It gets you access to special sections of our website. You get to vote twice in polls. And uh, judging by how our choosical vote went down, that's going to become super important anytime we do another poll. Uh, Because some of those were pretty neck and neck. But all that to say... You get, uh, oh, you get a merch discount too. I forgot to mention that last big week. Big merch discount. You get a big, big a merch grande discount. merch discount. Uh, if you become a patron of Two Chunks and a Hunk, you can find all the info about that at our website uh, or in our Instagram bio. Do we want to go ahead and let them know our patron episode for Choose a Oh, Ooh, yeah. Good. It's, it's going to be Hamilton. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, uh, but that uh, earlier when I asked if you knew your history, that was a, a little sneak trailer for Hamilton. Because nice. it's, it's history songs and dances mostly. My favorite so. song oh. in Hamilton is the one about the Sistine Chapel. I love that song. Yeah, from Hamilton. Yeah. That's a great. You one. really tied it all together. It's so I'm, good. I'm not throwing away my paintbrush. It's very good. It's <laughs> my favorite. I'm not throwing away my. Brush. Hey, I want to. Speaking of not throwing away our shots, they got, we got a big one going on. Melissa Joan Hart is dodging, ducking, dipping, diving, and dodging all of our attempts. My dude, she is already working on another Christmas movie. Or is she just choosing not to say Feliz Navidad anymore so that we don't jump on it? I, that's what I'm I saying. I honestly wonder if we're influencing that. Ooh, that's what I'm saying. Here's the thing. I, I, I don't want us to wait on Feliz Navidad related posts. I don't want us to wait for the right opening. I want a full scale, all fronts, kindness attack on Melissa Joan Hart. I want, I want 
Hello, ma'am. Hello, Mrs. Hart. How you doing? Hey, I hope you're having a great day. You know who else is having a great day? Two chunks and a hunk, and they'd have a better day if you would talk to... I mean, I'm talking, I want to kill them with kindness, but I, I need... And when I say need, I mean I need her to respond to us, or I'm going to lose my mind. So, Chunkies, I'm asking for your help. Get on there. For the and- love of God and all that is holy, get on her Instagram and comment as nicely as you can. He couldn't have said it sweeter, you guys, and more objectively. Such an some- unassuming man. I mean, he really is doing his best and we need to step up. Like I am in this category. He's talking to us. It's not these three guys. We mm. can do our part. Thank you, Katie. That was beautifully said. You're welcome. I'm just and like getting so. That's, that's the perfect way to motivated. segue into what I want from the other thing I want from all of you chunkies is get on Instagram while you're harassing Melissa Joan Hart. Also go and follow Katie. She is dropping fun content, puppy pics, songs. I mean, it is. It's, I mean, it's for everybody. It's an A plus Katie follow. is for everybody. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, Absolutely. man. I appreciate it. And I know we're giving you guys a lot of work, but I also know you're probably through your second bag of chips in an amount of time that you don't normally eat them that fast because you're just at home. Yeah. So something that I would like you to do is is for those of us, especially those that already follow us on Instagram um, and that are patrons, like just make sure you're checking all of the boxes for Chunkdom, right? Uh, So, okay, I'm I'm a patron member. That's great. We've talked about that. I'm following on Instagram, which there's more of you on that, which is great. But about half of you... I know because of numbers, because of the new numbers thing. Oh, I've that heard about you that. Have, you have not uh, rated or reviewed our podcast. And the reason that really is so important in a world that is asking you to comment on a lot of things, what's really so important about that is that does add to and help the algorithm for other people outside of those that like know who Katie is or know who we are, discover us. And so if you can go in and rate and review our podcast, if you haven't, that would be great. If that was the case, then we would have close to 500 ratings and reviews, which would really honestly, that is some of the best advertising we could possibly do. Um, And give your honest opinion. At this point, uh, someone's honest opinion that is not very good probably won't hurt us very much because people kind of like us. Um, but so <laughs> just go brag in there or anything, and, but people like I mean, us. Just go. The one one review, the one one star that we got even was nice. <laughs> so I was wondering if they just didn't get it, if they thought it was like a Likert scale or something. I'm not sure. But if you could go rate and review. Uh, and then, uh, Katie, I'm going to give the rest of our shout announcements to you because um, in following your Instagram, I know you have a lot going on. So what's going on for you right now? I just want you to know that in the 20 seconds that y'all were finishing talking about reviewing and rating your podcast, I just reviewed and rated a podcast that's my favorite. So it literally takes 15 seconds. Oh, but not, seconds. but not, wow. it was, was it us? Oh, I've, was I've, it rated, I've rated, rated you guys, okay. I rated she's you guys already, years ago, <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. specifically, it was a, it was a podcast that when I opened my podcast app, it's right there at the top and that's the office ladies. And I literally just have been meaning to do that. And my point in doing that so quickly is because I wanted to share with you guys that it is so important that you review and rate these guys' podcast. I mean, probably four or five episodes in, when I listened to this, started listening a few years ago, you guys, I went on and immediately rated and reviewed. And I know that because, listen, this matters. That's how it gets. He, they're not joking. That's how it gets in front of people. So I, before I talk about myself, I want to take you 
I want to take your challenge and up you just one notch. I want my friends on my Instagram. If you follow me, guys, I want you to go on and comment below on one of my photos that you have rated and reviewed their podcast. And I'm going to take that information and put it in a bowl and I'm going to pick a name and that person is going to get a mug from two chunks and a hunk and a gift from me. Like I don't, I, I love giving gifts. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I love doing a giveaway. So listen, let's, let's give these guys some love. Okay. And in the, the meantime, you worlds. can win a gift. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you'll hear it here first. These mugs, they do hold liquid. I'm not trying That's to brag. True. They're pretty great. They'll get They're coffee from great. table to mouth. No problem. Okay, so you guys wanted me to say a few things that I have going on. Well, first of all, guys, again, I know I said it a million times, but thank you so much for having me. Of course. And um, this is my second podcast I've ever done. (laughs) And so I'm honored to be here. No, but seriously, I'm so glad to be here. You guys, there has been a lot going on. I mentioned it in the mini Monday episode, but um, I did... I would be on a tour right now. And so that is, although it's unfortunate that I'm not on a tour, um, my very first tour I had announced, I'm so glad to be doing what I'm doing. I'm making content for Instagram, for YouTube. So if you haven't already, yes, please go follow me on my Instagram. There is a Facebook account for those um, Carter's mom. Please go follow me on Facebook. Those who maybe saw Mary Poppins in theaters. Yeah, if you saw (laughs) Mary Poppins in theaters, please go to my Facebook <laughs> and type Katie Fesless. No, seriously. And like my uh, my actual artist page. Um, I'd really appreciate it. And then honestly, some fun things I've got going on. I mentioned it again in the Mini Monday podcast, but um, I've been partnering with Ryan Seacrest Foundation. And so just be on the lookout for them. If you haven't read what they do, it's absolutely incredible. They have studios in children's hospitals all over the country. And so I'm getting to do a little mini virtual tour with them and it's so exciting. And then obviously I do have a Patreon page. Um, I do love it. All of the different tiers are named after some of my very favorite songs. Um, my favorite being You're the Inspiration by Chicago. Oh, And so uh, good. that gets some fun content with my husband, Donnie and I. And then we are building a show. Um, we are going to be announcing a show in late August and the show will be in September. I can't wait to tell y'all more about it, but just follow my Instagram and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted. And it's going to be a show like I've never done before. I can say that. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust. So I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We have returned to the show, and I want to talk about the eldritch, timeless, abomination goddess known as Mary Poppins, this all-powerful, all-knowing wizard 
who has come to us from the sky floating on her umbrella of doom and death to bring joy, laughter, and sunshine into the lives of these two uh, upper-class British children. I want to talk about Julie Andrews, is what I'm saying. Super pump. Julie Andrews. Oh, she is... Is she ever not perfect? I say no. And she is my super pump. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's my super pump as well. Um, And... It's she just carries this gravitas that is timeless. She's 28 when this is being filmed, and yet, and a it's also it's also her first major motion picture, right? And she won an Oscar for it. <laughs> so it's like she just kind of came to the scene, and then a year later would do Sound of Music and get nominated for that. So like back to back, like you imagine if that happened now, I, I can't remember the last time that maybe like a Jennifer Lawrence type thing. I don't know, but they're, it's weird to say their names together, yeah, sure. even though I'm a big J-Law fan, but like, yeah, Jordan, I'm, I'm there with you. She, she's just, but there's nothing, it's so well done that there's nothing that, I don't know. It's really weird for me because sometimes when I see actors, you know, like Gary Oldman doing uh, Winston Churchill, yeah, it's like, okay. Or, or anything Daniel Day-Lewis does, you know, any of these acclaimed actors. But for her to just kind of come on the scene, it just felt like who she was. And it felt effortless. So I was kind of surprised when I saw she won an Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense because she just embodies this character that would be in movie history immediately and forever since. She's right along with how long they've kept them in print. Yeah. Well, and, the, and she just, There's something with Julie Andrews yeah. that is so unassuming yet powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she steps into the scene and she shows up. At, I mean, we we see her floating on the cloud at the beginning, but really the first time we see Mary Poppins is she shows up at the door. She's the only one left. She's just blown all the other nannies away with her, as I said, pow- the powers of an eldritch abomination. And she walks up to the door and just the second you see her, she's just a woman, but you know she's not. Even without the superpowers, you would just know that she's supposed to be special. And I think it's something Julie Andrews brings to the table in the same way that Dick Van Dyke is able to bring this like lighthearted, goofy sort of charm. I think Julie Andrews brings gravitas everywhere she goes. Well, and I, I, I think Jordan, honestly, I mean, Julie Andrews is incredible and I give a lot of this credit to Walt Disney. Yes. Because honestly, and I, I didn't know this until I was reading some trivia about this, but when they approached Julie Walt had her in mind. It was like she hmm. was his only option for this role. Well, when they asked her to do it, she actually had to say to Walt Disney, <laughs> Walt, I'm actually very interested and I'd love to, but I'm pregnant. And Walt said, then we're going to wait a year. We'll hmm. wait as long as you need us to. And so they Bizarre. waited for her to literally give birth, raise her child for the first, you know, have that maternity leave, and then literally brought her and she was Mary Poppins. I think Walt's vision, and we obviously Walt is a very talented, the Disney Corporation is unbelievable at spotting talent, but I think there's something about his tenacity and like going after who he knew was Mary Poppins that when right. she got yeah. there, it's like she, you almost, it's kind of one of those moments where you, be, I believe Julie Andrews had been preparing her whole life. For this <laughs> right. Which right. also makes me realize this is probably why she had the bumper sticker on the back of her car, apparently about Mary Poppins kind of like being crass because it was who she became. 
And she was like, actually, I'm kind of a foul mouthed sailor. So she <laughs> wanted to, she had to probably fight for the rest of her life yeah. to not be seen as Mary Poppins, even though I right. actually think if I met her, I would assume she's going to do something magic, like do right. some totally. kind of magical yeah. thing. Exactly. And you know, we talk about casting a lot on this podcast, you know, how much the perfect cast can really make the difference. Um, you know, we reference, um, there are things in Marvel that we just couldn't imagine anyone else playing or things. And we just finished talking about Christopher Nolan. And there are several times with, you know, Matthew McConaughey or Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, whoever, where we said, man, there's just no one else that could play this person. Um, and so I think, you're, Katie, you're absolutely right. You can't underestimate the power of perfect casting. And she really is perfect. Uh, uh, it's it, There's no one else. Yeah, I think with all the gravitas and like the lore, and you can tell how uh, big of a deal a certain Disney character is by how much they are a part of the parks, right? Sure. And so Mary Poppins is, is very much that. But I think, you know, when I was watching it, because I do catch myself sometimes... Uh, and those are usually only reserved for like cult classics, like a Boba Fett, like sure. having such a reverence for Boba Fett. But that's because over time he became this thing. And I caught myself being like, is that what Mary Poppins was? Is that what Julie Andrews is as Mary Poppins? But when Katie, when you share stories about like Disney seeking her out and just saying, no, it has to be you. It's, it means that that she had that feeling the day it happened. Like sure. yeah. she was just there mm. and already carried all of that. And that's just, yeah, it's it's unbelievable to me that she was able to, it's great to read about how she handled the role too, because she does very seriously take her job. Like mm -hmm. she uh, practiced so many times, did 50 takes of stay awake mm. and like wanted to make sure it sounded perfect. So there was like a little bit of this that already lent itself to that, but they're only like, they're seeing her maybe on a TV show and on a stage play. Yeah. Right. right. And are like, well, this has to be her. And that's so well, special And the level of dedication that she brings and, and the fact that she can just turn it on when the cameras start rolling. Julie Andrews was going through a divorce at this time. So it was like not a happy time to be Julie Andrews. But the fact that she's able to just turn it on is brilliant. She's such a, I mean, nobody is surprised when they hear me say, hey, Julie Andrews is a pretty good performer. But you guys, Julie Andrews is a pretty good performer. Right. And I feel I've like it's the same. I've never heard anyone who doesn't love Julie Andrews. Like, right. I think right. it's, she's one of those people that it's almost like Dolly Parton. Like right. they're like, yeah. no one doesn't like Dolly Parton. She is a treasure. She doesn't talk about, you know, like anything negative. She's always positive. She always has a good outlook. And I think Julie Andrews embodies that positivity and- totally. And not being, not not that she wasn't going through difficulty, I think she brought that into the gravitas of who she was as Mary Poppins. And I think that's probably what made her absolutely incredible of being yeah. able to, because yeah. ultimately, if we want to talk about who Mary Poppins is, she's a hurting person. She's very lonely. Yeah. She doesn't have a companion. She lives in a cloud by herself. She comes down to save <laughs> families and then bounces. Where does she go? I think Julie Andrews <laughs> yeah. probably brought that that miss, that grief, that that depth to that role that that she was playing far beneath the surface than we even probably realize. Sure. Yeah. Where does she go yeah, is a really great good. question. <laughs> yeah, with something as whimsical as Mary Poppins. It's like, oh, they live here. Yeah. They are these this people. This is where these these yeah. these real life characters well, live. And, you know, yeah. you think about this uh, this is sort of a more meta conversation, but I, I love when we go here. So I'm going to take us here for just a moment. But I think we, and by we, I just mean society. Ha, I think we have a tendency to I, idolize and idealize 
the past in so many ways, um, specifically with stuff like Mary Poppins. And I, I, you know, I, I have vivid memories of, um, my grandparents, um, you know, they, they wouldn't watch certain movies or, or certain TV shows, but they would, they would watch things like Mary Poppins or the Dick Van Dyke show or, or whatever, um, Red Skelton, you know, whatever. But, um, I think part of, you know, 1960, what is it? Five, 64, four. Yeah. 1964 part of it is we're not as exposed then as we are now and now we just have the curse of seeing everything all the time from everyone and we know who's yep. going through what and we know who's dating who and who's breaking up with who and and where people are going and we know their drama and their business and I think that it's just yeah. interesting to step outside and take a look and go no it, it, life's not different we just know more now yeah 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 yeah. And that's why that's so funny. And I'm just looking for an excuse to talk about Matt McConaughey. <laughs> but when people like that, uh, that even with all of the like magnifying lens, looking at all of these stars, right. the, the people that still manage to kind of miss the drama Tom or Hanks. find this way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or find this way to just kind of come alongside it and, and just be who they are genuinely. And you don't think it's fake is yeah. It, they're kind of held on a, a kind of pedestal that, didn't really happen unless they had media sure. technology. They yeah. do now. Because we wouldn't Speak- know what sets them apart, right? I mean, wh- what do we have to compare them to unless we have the messy, sloppy other celebrity? <laughs> right. Can I talk about, can I interject my uh, super pump? Please. Oh, please. Do it. So my super pump, just going along with Julie Andrews, my I wanted my super pump to be Julie Andrews. I really did. Sure, yeah. But I have to say that my super pump is the is the chalk art scene. Literally when they, from the minute they jump into that scene from Dick Van Dyke interacting with the cartoon penguins to Julie Andrews white dress that, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's interesting that she has, that's something she only wears for about eight minutes during the film. Iconic though. But that outfit, that's what she wears at Disney world. That is what you see yeah. her in. And there's something so, what's interesting to me is that that part is my super pump because you've got tambourine lady. You have so many things going on and yet at the same time, so so many things, like it's so simple. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, what's so interesting to me is that's the one, that's the truly the one scene P.L. Travers like loathed. Hmm. And it's so interesting because that's the I, most iconic it's, it's, it's literally like Mindy Kaling. I heard a podcast the other day where they were talking about Mindy Kaling said to the directors of the, of the office, if you write that opening scene with Kevin spilling the chili, I quit. I'm not <laughs> going to work here anymore. And Mindy Kaling is quoted saying, and it was literally one of the most iconic cold opens that the, the office ever saw. Can you imagine if they had <laughs> leaned in to Mindy Kaling's Okay, she's going to quit, so we can't do that. We right. wouldn't have seen Kevin scooping up the chili. I'm not comparing Kevin and chili to Mary Poppins, but I'm but, saying No, I'm hearing <laughs> you say they're the same. They are. They're they are the same. No, but like if if PL Travers if they had let her win themselves over and again this goes back to Walt Disney, if he had let her just mull over that or like just mow over him in that moment, we would not have the most iconic part of who Mary Poppins and Bert were. I mean, even Bert, when you see him at Disney World, is wearing the striped suit. That's yeah. how they are seen to yeah. children. Yeah. And um, I think just, of him waddling with penguins when I think of Bert. Totally. Yeah. Yes. 100%. So I that's yeah. my super pump. And I Love think it. that in a whole, in an, as a nutshell, really embodies who Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke 
were. They were the full package. They were dancers. They were singers. They were actors. They they could do everything except accents. (laughs) And how unique to how unique during this time for we have our our male and female like protagonist roles, and there is really no love interest between them. Sure, like to to be able to go through this. I I have interpreted some definite flirting between the two of them at minimum. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, but maybe. it's not. You're right. But, it's not. You know, her existence and his existence don't hinge on the romance between the two of them. And I think that's fan theory. Unique. It's my own personal fan theory. Tell me. But there is a scene when he is drawing the chalk for the children, and he says in his little talk, in his monologue, he says, "I draw these chalk paint, these chalk, you know, drawings from my memories." And there is one particular that he shows of a dad and a mom and a little kid. And part of me, when I saw that as a kid and now even as an adult, I still think that that is his wish. I think he's in love with Mary Poppins. I just think she can't stay and he knows it. So in his memory, he dreams of a, it's, it's, it's not something that's happened but because what's bizarre is that there, he says memories, but like, did he just see a mom, a dad and a kid at the park? I think that's almost right. a like, that's almost a wish of his, like a mm. dream of his that he could have a family with Mary. And if you look wow. at the painting, it's really interesting. It just flips to it for a split second. But I think there was something kind of metatextual there. And so I've always thought that there's something about him that Bert loves Mary, but she can't she can't fall in love with people because it makes her a better nanny. I'll take it. What if his first experience with her was her being his nanny and she never ages? Creepy. Peter Pan. Oh my gosh. I don't like it anymore. Peter Pan or like a Jacob and Renesmee. (laughs) Oh yeah. What if they- The greatest love story of our time. You know, I thought that Bert had those weird eyes. I thought that same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, that's great. Yeah, I love that again. Now when you watch it again, just look for that part because it's very interesting to me. Huh. This is maybe a weird time to super dump, but <laughs> please. My super dump is not the chalk adventure, the animated adventure through Cartoon Wonderland, but it is the fact that for most of that, Mary Poppins is being the world's worst nanny. Because they get there and she's like, hey, kids, there's something fun way over there. You should go check it out. I'm going to go on a date with Dick Van Dyke. Yep. <laughs> and then the kids just leave and they're just gone. Uh, and she's being a really bad Don't they bad go nanny. get like apple, little, du- the little apples on a stick or something? Is yeah, that they what they go, go sit do? On Michael, they go sit on the merry-go-round. Michael was getting after. Yeah. I read somewhere that the kids, the directors had to keep changing up the flavor of those apples, the, the caramel <laughs> apples to different things because the kids were getting sick. Oh. Okay, Michael, as a kid, Doge, I want to let you finish your super dump, but Michael, as a human, does he just not look like he would be sticky with jam and jelly at all times? Like something about his face, something about his face looks like you'd be like, hey, little buddy, and then you just like peel off your hand from his jam-coated cheeks. He's got that very particular mid-century little boy thing where it's like, I look at you and I don't know if you're 10 years old. Or if you have the 1,000 yard stare of a World War One sniper and right. you are you are 95. <laughs> like his real life voice in person is just like, Mister, hey, Mister. Yeah, like exactly. Just so muffled. That, and, yeah. that mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. Hey, That's Mister, amazing. I love one of those candy apples. <laughs> Don't adjust your television set. 
He kind of looks like the Mad Magazine. He does. Boy. He kind of looks to me like the the snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the kid with the swoop uh-huh. hair. Yeah. In, oh the, in the claymation. The... He is oh all of these God. things. That's that's the that's the twist. The kids are so good in this, though. They really are so good. Like, like really, kids, yeah. kids can really make or break a movie. Like, because you've got things. We've already talked about Jurassic Park once. I think Timmy can make that movie, and Lex, his hacker sister, can break that movie. <laughs> but both of these kids are just like so unassumingly like childlike and sweet. Like they're just perfect. Yeah, they really are, and they're they're believable as siblings, which is something that yes. doesn't. Mm-hmm. doesn't always ring true in movies, but I, I think they're very believable as siblings and I think it works in their favor. There's one moment that I saw in the movie where little little Michael grabs Jane's hand and I don't know that that was scripted. Oh, I think fun. there was a moment they're walking and he grabs her hand and they're going out the door or going down the alleyway to see Uncle Albert or something and he takes her hand and I, I wonder if that's, they probably, I mean, they r- grow a relationship. They probably became kind of sibling-like doing school together sure. and all that behind the scenes. So that was a really sweet moment for me where I was like, I bet he really does love her. Now, when I saw it on Broadway one time, there are a lot of labor laws for children, understandably so here in the United States. And um, one thing in particular that I noticed was halfway through during intermission, mm-hmm. they announced that a different boy would be playing the role of Michael. Mm-hmm. And it was oh, wow. because he had hit his union time stamp. And so a little blonde boy was the first half. And then the second half was a little boy with like just jet black hair. (laughs) And, uh, but somehow it's kind of like the, what we've talked about the whole time. You're like, sure. Mary Poppins probably changed it. There's this uncanny (laughs) magic to Mary Poppins. Yeah. 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 For sure. You're you're dead right. Speaking of the magic, can we talk about Uncle Albert for just a second? I don't want to, I don't want to miss this. It's so if funny. you had asked if you had asked me before I watched this recently what movie is the guy who laughs and flies in I would have said I don't know but it's either Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory right. I forgot that that was Mary Poppins That's what I'm saying it's like a fever dream that came back yes. to me as I watched it like it was like it was like oh it's so scary but also funny I don't know <laughs> like yeah but yeah. Uncle Albert laughing on the ceiling that I have in my brain, just the 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 tea table rising to meet them, mm-hmm. and then how sad they get, and then shoot back up when he finishes his joke. It's just so good, and it's he is hilarious. Yep. He is hilarious. I've had the Did I've had know? those little different laughs in my head, like when Dick Van Dyke sings, some people or she Julie Andrews sings, some people laugh through their noses, like. All of those, like all of those, yes, have been yeah. been my gauge of whether what people's laughs are, and I didn't even <laughs> think about it. It's like you said earlier, that's Jordan. Funny. Like these are memories from our childhood that were. I'm like, right. where did that come from? But that's how I've always, when people laugh, I'm picking up on what she says. Everyone laughs differently, so and good. there are a few different. Like it's hilarious. So good. And I what did that. they do to make them laugh that hard? Like, I again wonder if they didn't give the kids a warning because I mean, they were legit laughing at him. Like, it's yeah. hard to it fake could also laugh. Be that, yeah. It could be that that actor. I mean, Uncle Albert is basically bing bong in right. the right. 100%. <laughs> it, may be so the, so it, it, it may be like the burden of knowledge because I know this, but I feel like when they made Alice in Wonderland and and cast him as the Mad Hatter. They drew him as the Mad Hatter. You know Shut what I mean? Up. I feel he's like the Mad Hatter. Hatter. He, he yeah. looks like the Mad Hatter. Oh man, that all makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's the Mad Hatter. Wow. Can we talk about though before she goes to see Uncle Albert, which is so funny? She talks to the dog. The dog yeah, tells does. her about Uncle Albert being on the ceiling. 
So how Eldritch does he abomination. find out? I I'm think Andrew you. is a very underrated character in this. He's her he's familiar. Part, he's part narrator, honestly. <laughs> like he he is throughout the film. And then all of a sudden she talks to a dog. It's like you just yeah. think you know everything <laughs> yeah. about Mary. And then she's like, I, I, I'm never going to call her just Mary again. That felt like poison. <laughs> Too familiar. No, it literally, <laughs> Mary Poppins, you think she can't do everything. And then she talks to a dog. She just does it. She, I, I know she I made the joke it. earlier, but she really does have a lot of the same characteristics as the Maiar in Tolkien's I'm Middle Earth you, stories. Dude. Like, like, uh, Gandalf, it, the wizards, basically like think of Gandalf and Radagast and Saruman. Like they have this incomprehensible power. They take on the form of mortals that communicate with beasts. They like, it's like she, I have no idea. And, and they're, you know, I would be shocked if there was any kind of correlation between the two or any kind of inspiration because that's very not Tolkien style. But at this, it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's my pop culture brain trying to get me to make connections that aren't there. I'm just telling you, man, right. she speaks to an animal like it's her familiar. She flies in on an umbrella. She has unimaginable and unlimited power. This is an eldritch creature that mm -hmm. has given up its immortality to join us here on this mortal coil. Mm -hmm. Mary Poppins. Yeah. Bert is Bilbo. Right. He only sees her like every 30 years. Yeah. You know, it's just like Gandalf's going to leave for a while. Then he'll come back and help some more people. It's perfect. Good. I want to talk. It's good. Oh, um, you? Can I do it like a Please. quick thing though? The next time you go to Disney World, so in Orlando, uh, when you go to the Lost and Found, there is actually, they have a wooden leg in there. And it's named Smith. So good. <laughs> so there is a wooden leg named Smith. That's a little like Easter egg oh, of Mary Poppins. I love that. that they just don't tell you to seek out. So yeah, that next time great. you go, I think it's I think it is it is made where it is visible as like uh, some of the lost and found stuff. It's just up there. So Dude, Disney has thought of everything. So true. That really yeah. is great. I want to. We are running out of time, but I do want to hit my super dump if that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it is. No, okay. one of the two rules past. that we have. Uh, my super dump is that I don't buy Mr. Banks's journey from deadbeat to cool dad. I don't. Well, nobody. I mean, obviously nobody's ever punched a hole in your hat. That's true. Dude, I was dying because he comes over and just like annihilates Mr. Banks' clothes. And <laughs> it's like, you're just firing me. You don't own me. You can't break Dude, my the, stuff. The humor of the like the council of bankers. Oh, and like so good. That, I feel like that has held up so well. I think that I is agree. so fun. Yeah, and even I agree. I, I'm not I'm not trying to step all over your super dump. I just have to talk about when uh, Mr. Dawes Sr. finally laughs at the he joke. Gets the Dick, joke. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke's old man laugh and then his son screaming, Daddy, come down. Daddy. <laughs> it's, it's like so funny. Yes. Uh, it really is good. Somebody's got daddy <laughs> issues. <laughs> hey, who doesn't? That's right. But I... <laughs> um, there's something about Mr. Banks and, and I like him, him and his wall. He's just so such a walrus, but he, I just don't, I don't know that it felt like he, we got to watch him actually be affected that much. Right. And for, for a, a, a movie that is so fun and whimsical, it feels weird to zero in on like in the father's transition from darkness to light. But like, it just, it seems like to me, I would have bought more his like Ebenezer Scrooge Christmas morning. I don't care about money anymore. I care about my loved one's transformation. If we had just involved him a little more in some of the magic, 
You know, his, mm. his involvement is, wow, how'd you get that note? Or how'd you convince me to take my kids to work? But the, the moment is that he just realizes that the kid slipped the tuppence back into his pocket to make up for what they did, which is sweet, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like enough to yeah. fully 180 like that. I get um, that. It doesn't feel catalytic really. Right. And it, again, I feel a little silly zeroing in that hard on the father character and Mary Poppins, but it's just the thing that stuck out to me the most in a movie that really is such a blast and so fun. It just felt like the one thing that it was like, eh, I wish that had been different. I, yeah. I had a really hard time with a super dump. Like, mm. yes, we, we talked about like a dump would be, you know, I, I wrote a few like dumps, like Dick Van Dyke's accent. Right. It's hard to, it's hard to get past some of the things that you're like, well, oh, that could have been different, but I had a really hard time coming up with a super dump until, and this is a hot, this is a hot take. Ooh, I love okay. it. Good. But my super dump is actually the length of the chimney sweep scene. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because I clocked it. It is 14 minutes long. Yep. From start to finish. Holy From moly. the time that she gets the kids in line and touches her face with her, with the soot to the time that they, there is the last chimney sweep is out of the scene when they dance down the street. 14 no minutes. Way. And I, I don't know if y'all felt this way during Mary Poppins too, which that's not a can of worms I want to open because (laughs) I love Emily Blunt so much, but that's about all I loved in that movie. However, Hmm. there is that scene with Meryl Streep that you, after it happened in the film, I was like, man, I am never going to get that 17 minutes back. (laughs) And I love Meryl Streep, but this was one of those moments where I thought that lasted way too long. Hmm. And then you add on top of that, it's kind of dark, like the, the not dark in a scary way, but the scene itself is kind of dark. Right. And it just goes on and on and on. And it just feels like it's at the point of the movie where we need to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. So that was seriously like, I, I, as a kid, as much as I love the chimney sweeps and they are so talented, hear me say that friends, it just went on too long. And there's no scene that I feel like no dance number in a Broadway show should ever last 15, 14 minutes. <laughs> sure. Um, well, so the dancers it, that, would die. It felt like a little it. too long. Yeah. There was pressure yeah. on Disney to cut that That's down great. to two minutes. Uh, really? Like there was external pressure saying, hey, the chimney sweep stuff is too long. Like that goes on forever. Let's shoot for something around two minutes, like the length of a traditional dance number. Uh, and he insisted. and was like, no, it has to be the full 14. Because it kind of, we. what's wow. odd is that there's this moment where she's singing chim, chimney, chim, chimney, chim, chim, chiri. And then somehow we phase into step in time, but we don't really yeah. know how we got there. Yep. So I almost wonder, like, as iconic as chim, chimney is, like, could you have just maybe gone straight to step in time and done like a little nod to chim, chimney? Yeah. Because that, yeah. that song lasted about four minutes. Yeah. And it just is yeah. a lot. And Which, they march from place to place over rooftops and all of this stuff. And it's like, this, we don't need to go to one rooftop. We don't need to see all <laughs> yeah. of London. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Chim Chimney, <laughs> that's the song that, that won the Oscar. So that won an Oscar. Chim Chimney's so great. So then we can't um, take that song out. Well, but <laughs> right. you know, it's hard, it's hard, right? Because the song is fantastic, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was utilized in the best way, right? Like, that's kind of yeah. how... There, there, we'll talk about feelings I have about song versus end product uh, in another movie that we'll discuss in this series. But, you know, I think I think there is room to say Chim Chimney is fantastic, but 
it's combined in this section of the movie that goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is a perfect conversation for me to introduce a project I want all of us to do. Uh, and we're going to do it on the mini Monday, either the mini Monday or when uh, Katie comes back for Les Mis. So the last week. But what we're going to do, I've, I've been inspired recently uh, by <laughs> Instagram is being taken over by these things of like, what blank mm, are you? Yeah. Right. Carter's not super common, blur, but uh, one of my friends, Sarah, she was this 90s item, which was a burned <laughs> CD. It had nine tracks on it. Okay. So what we're going to do is in the Les Mis time, I want you to tell me uh, with Choosical. So let's say our cover art uh, is creative or something. And we've, we're calling this album Choosical. What nine tracks from the entire series are Love on it. your album? Mm. Love okay? it. And I think that's good too, because that gives us that's that fun. emphasis on the musical side of things. Like what so- what, which of these songs are our favorite? And I, I do have one stipulation that I th- we do ha- need to have at least one song from, from each movie. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. I love it. But nine songs total. I love it. Cool. Cool. Um, In the interest of furthering our conversation about musical things, I just have a confession that I need to make to the three of you on this call. Yeah. And that is something that will probably come out about me over the course of this series. And I need you to stay strong and stay my friends. And it is that I cannot tell the difference between good dancing and dancing. When I see dancing, I see dancing. And if somebody if somebody <laughs> does a flip, I'm like, that's probably good dancing. And if they <laughs> if they like maybe don't do a flip or they are you know, just doing regular dancing. Then I look at that and say, it's dancing. I don't, but I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell what good dancing or bad dancing is. No. That's why I was phenomenally bored during this 14 minute dancing song. It's dancing, which is, it's good. And, and I, we all like, I like that. No. So, much like the 14 minute dancing scene went, uh, went on for too long. So has this episode of our podcast and it's it a is day. time. No, it is time. There is no too long. Well, just like Mary Poppins, we're just going to leave. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> we're not even going to give you any wrap up. You want to know how much we love you? Not very much. Goodbye. <laughs> and I'm going to float away bye. and go to my cloud and I won't come back for 28 years. The wind has changed. So we'll, we'll catch you later. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I would like uh, to rate this movie using science, the science that Mary Poppins as a character so boldly spits in the face of uh, with all of her magic and frivolity. The scientific cinema scale was developed in-house here at Two Chunks Laboratories. It is perfect and it is as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it. Buy, Buy that poster. poster. The next best thing, that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it. And last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. Anybody feel especially strong and want to go first? I will go first. (gasps) Because I'm so honored y'all would have me here. And what a great movie to start with. Um, I'm going to buy the poster. Okay. You guys, this movie taught me how to be a nanny. And... I I love it for all of its flaws and all of its little imperfections. This movie has been iconic for me. And so I, I'm buying the poster. No, all, hands down. That's great. I'll go next. I am buying the movie. I'm buying it. I buy this. I, uh, like I said, going into it, I was not excited. I wasn't dreading it. I just wasn't excited. Um, and I just completely turned around. It is, it's, 
weirdly like safe and wholesome. Like it's just, it's just, it's so fun and energetic and the, the music is beautiful and, um, it's just really great. Julie Andrews, uh, high five, love her. We'll get to talk about her again uh, a little bit later, but, um, it really is just, it's classic and it's considered classic for a reason. And I think that's because of how timeless it feels. Um, I just, I don't know. I was really swept up in this one. So I'm, I'm buying it for sure. Were you chimney swept up in this one? (gasps) (laughs) Yeah, I watched the movie. And for that, I'm going to buy the movie. I think there was a, there was a portion of time while I was watching it where I was like, this is going to be a poster because of all of the excellent visual effects in this. And then, then they stopped and some dirty boys danced for 15 minutes. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay, well, I'll just buy it, but I'll buy it. It's really good. I, so when I was watching this movie, I tried to tell, especially with movies that are iconic, I try and say, okay, but people aren't listening to this podcast to hear me be the surrogate for everyone's opinion. Like for me to be the one that's like, what's the collective opinion about how you feel about Mary Poppins? Like, I'm not trying to average that out and give you my answer. It needs to be how I personally feel. If you respect how I feel about these movies, which hopefully you do, because that's the whole point of the podcast. (laughs) I, um, I'm going to buy the poster because I am so, I feel like when I consume stories like and and watch movies, I am so character driven Mm. and I find myself being like, if, if, if we have enough good characters, it, it makes up for some other flaws. And Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins was really all I needed. Yeah. Um, Even though Dick Van Dyke is strong and even some of our supporting cast, but even, you know, with the 14 minute, uh, dirty boy dance scene and like all these different things that are happening that kind of don't make the mark for me. The, I, I need to tell you, I think the only reason, not the only reason we'll say the very much strongest reason, and it's not even close that this is so iconic and that this for probably one of the richest companies in the world is still one of its poster children is Julie totally. Andrews as Mary Poppins. Could not be the girl who comes, right. the girl who comes out of nowhere at 28 years old, wins an Oscar, and everybody says, This is who you are. This is a this is a like weird magical kind of embodiment mm-hmm. of a character. Yeah. For her to just show up. That doesn't really it's Mary like Poppins. Mary Poppins. Like that doesn't, she floated right in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of perfect in that way. And so I really did think I was gonna be in the buy it range. But at the end and just seeing her and and reading about everything about that she's done and just what she did for the movie. It's, it's by the I love it for me. I think that's yep. great. Well, that is the first movie of our Chusical series. Done already. Can you believe it? When do we talk about Check next week? right now. Next week, we're going to be talking about my favorite movie where Ryan Gosling plays the piano. And that's, of course, <laughs> La La Land. Mm. La, la, la La Land. I was about to say, I thought it was La La Land. It's La La Land. La La Land. La La Land. Like Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga and La La Lady Gaga. It's going to be It's gonna be great. And uh, I'm super excited to continue this Chusical series. We will be sad to see Katie go next week, but she will be back. So don't even she worry. I just watched her talk to her umbrella like one time ever, even though it's magic. And now she's floating away. Yeah, bye. <laughs> she gone. But um, you know, I do want to make sure that we are uh encouraging all of our wonderful chunky listeners. Go check out Katie's Instagram. She has awesome stuff going on. Uh there she will and in the middle of our episode today, but there she will tell you a little bit more about her Patreon, the stuff she's doing. Katie, is there anything you want to just slam dunk right here at the end? I really thought I floated away. I was seriously going to be like Mary Poppins and just not come back because that's how bitter I am about the ending. You got to end it. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, listen, uh, you guys, I hope at the end of my life that people will say that I brought, uh, if I, if I could say at the end of my life that I have brought a, a portion of the joy and musicality into people's lives that Julie Andrews has brought into mine and all of ours and the people listening as well, then I would say my life is complete. So thank you for having me. And I'm so glad to do this first movie with you. And I, I'm not shocked it's in the top five. That's great. Yeah. Katie, to be really frank right now, I began uh, knowing that you would be on this episode, especially a part of the series, is very excited. I am ending feeling very intimidated <laughs> because I'm starting to think, should we have done this? Because Katie <laughs> is kind of doing this better yeah, than she, we do. She has so, come in so I imagine prepared. the people that jump on now. We're totally going to lose all the Katie followers <laughs> yeah, after the Why do you keep series. listening? There's no They're point. Like, what the, who are these guys? <laughs> what the heck is this? Hey. Uh, so all that to compliment. Well, yeah, I was going to say, that's a compliment, right? Hey, listen, y'all are, I, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, I'm a huge fan, and y'all are very talented and very funny. I literally had someone text me just yesterday saying, I've been listening to them since you mentioned it on your Instagram, and they, I literally, they make my home, my commute home in Nashville traffic a joy. So oh, that I is love saying that's something. Amazing to wow. Hear. Oh, that's so, so good. That's amazing. Well, let's, let's end today's episode like this. I think this is yeah, the end it on a high end. note, please. So I would like for each of us to say our name and then say <laughs> that screeching tire yeah, was great. my high note or traffic. Don't okay. scare people. Um, I'd like for us each to say our name and say which unnamed character from this movie we would like to be cast as. So for two chunks and a hunk, <laughs> I'm Jordan Wonders, and I would like to be the nanny that uh, floats down the street all four limbs akimbo just in an X <laughs> at the very beginning. That's my role. I call dibs. I think her name is Nanny Starfish. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> Starfish Nana, I believe you meant to say. Starfish Nana. That's right. <laughs> I'm Doge, and I would like to be Mary Poppins' incredibly underutilized umbrella. <laughs> that thing could talk the whole time, and she'd never once talked to it. I see the way you look at those children. You'll miss them. <laughs> I want to be what I didn't remember to be one of my favorite characters until hey, I watched who it are again. You? I'm Carter, okay. first of all. Who are you now, and who do you wish I, to be? I'm... <laughs> I am now Carter, and I wish to be in the hunting scene, the horse that says, oh, yes, uh, like I want, like that horse, I forgot that whole scene, and I just, I laughed so hard and looked around, and my dog and my wife were like, okay, I mean, it's like, it's funny, but, but chill, dude, dude, what's That's so good, on? but yeah, Ruhalu or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, man. Oh, yes. Um, I am Katie. And I would like to be Penguin number three, mm. who comes out and falls flat on his face <laughs> with a tray of stuff <laughs> and gets up and still lives his best life and serves as if his life depends yes. on it. That penguin is yes, the 2020 I, mood. He really is. He's doing his best. Penguin. It is penguin I love number the three. Part, I think that penguin's name is We're Same, dude. <laughs> <laughs> When when they're doing the like uh, trying to mimic the dance moves of Dick Van Dyke, and I'm pretty sure it's that penguin that all he has to do is snap, <laughs> and he's like so proud of it at yeah. the end. I totally Penguins relate. Are my favorite animals on God's green earth, and that scene brings me infinite joy. 
Richard Sherman, I'll leave the people with this. Richard Sherman, who wrote the music for this movie, actually played the kazoo for that. For that <laughs> so good. Awesome. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.